I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show are we ready yes do we feel good about everything in our lives and our choices Mm. no but (laughs) tough question so many so many so many damn books Hello and welcome to So Many Damn Books. My name is Christopher. My name is Drew. And we have Mona Awad in the damn library with us this Hi. evening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for inviting me, guys. Um, we are so excited to have you on. Mona is the author of 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl, a finalist for the Scotiabank Giller Prize that won the Colorado Book Award and the Amazon Canada First Novel Award and received an honorable mention from the Arab American Book Awards. The recipient of an MFA in fiction from Brown University and a PhD in English and creative writing from the University of Denver. She has published work in Time, Vice, Electric Literature, McSweeney's, and elsewhere. And you are the most recent author of Bunny. Yes. A novel. And it's so good. Oh, I'm so awesome. excited to have you here to talk about <laughs> it. so great. Um, it, it was a very inspiring book for The Drink. Oh yeah, you you've gone you've gone to the crazy lengths again. <laughs> yeah, well, I I they um the the characters in this book end up um in a sort of a pink world. Yes. In, in a way, and um I just was like I wanted to make something sort of that they would drink mm-hmm. that this group of that they call themselves bunny um each other bunny. And so this drink is for them. So it's called Just for Bunny. And it's um <laughs> Uh, rose-infused gin, uh, Saint Germain, pineapple juice, lime juice, uh, rose raspberry tea syrup, and then it's topped with 21st Amendment Brewery's um, Spark Ale Rose Ale or Spark Sparkale. Spark. I think. I mean, I think that it's a stretch <laughs> to call it Sparkale. <laughs> um, and that has apple, cranberry, peach, and cherry juice in it. And then there's, um, I was at Muji over the weekend and saw they had pink marshmallows. And I was oh, like, nice. this is perfect. Yes. <laughs> so that is what we're drinking. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, the bunnies would approve. I, I <laughs> promise you that. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably a compliment. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is what we're drinking. Nice. Should we talk about things that we bought? Sure. Do you want to start? Oh, sure. Um, I do want to start, I guess. <laughs> I I bought, um, actually, it's another campus MFA novel. Oh, cool. Uh, called 
Louder Milk or The Real Poet or The Origin of the World by Lucy Ives. Nice. And um, it has this sort of, um, it's almost like a, a galley with a, like, Abercrombie and Fitch model like smacked on the cover and ripped off yeah. like it's a really cool cover nice. and um I as a graduate of an MFA program myself <laughs> um I have stuck away from MFA novels but mm-hmm. after reading Bunny I was like maybe I love them <laughs> <laughs> so I'm ready to read Ladder Milk as well um but yeah so that's what I bought nice uh Mona um, okay, even though I already own uh, the Jean Rhys uh, collected novels, I bought um, After Leaving Mr. McKenzie and um, Good Morning um, Midnight just because I wanted to have the individual ones. Nice. <laughs> you need the individual ones in addition to the collected. That yeah. makes complete sense I was to gonna, me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it's very important. It's very important. So um, so I bought those and I recently reread After Leaving Mr. McKenzie and it was just as good. As the first time I read it, so oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I have to shamefully admit that Jean Rees is one of those authors who I have not touched yet, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's a gaping hole in my like sense of the where should I start? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think I'd start with um, Good Morning Midnight. Okay, um, great. Yeah, it's really voicey and it's very dark. Um, and it's very kind of feverish, and it does what she does so well, which is that that outsider character. She's so good at kind of giving you a visceral sense of that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Drew, what did you buy? I Two things. One got sent to us, and one I just picked up for work, actually. Uh, the one that got sent to us is Ryan Chapman's Riots I Have Known. Okay. Um, which is... It, I'm excited. It, like, it's got a great Jonathan Lethem blurb on the front. It's um, an unnamed man in a prison. A riot is popping off outside. He has barricaded himself inside of the like tech center. And he has been the editor of... He's an inmate, but he's been the editor of a lit journal. <laughs> and so it's sending up like lit journals, um, the sort of colonizing aspect of... of well-meaning liberals moving into spaces being like, what if we brought the, the inmates this, like how would they, um, so I'm excited. It's like, it's super short, but I'm excited to dive into it. And Mm -hmm. then the other one, uh, about a week after this episode airs, I'm producing an event at the Delacorte theater in central park celebrating world pride. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, penguin just put together with the New York public library, uh, the stonewall reader. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's excerpts of, essays and articles and interviews from before during and after wow specifically looking at like the flashpoint of 50 years ago um and i I mean i'm reading it for work so it's like i have to fly through it faster than i maybe would right but it's already it's just astoundingly cool oh i want to read these voices yeah yeah that sounds really good sounds great yeah also great also pink stonewall readers pink Oh. Uh, bunny <laughs> yes yes oh, oh my gosh can you tell our re- our listeners about bunny like yeah. what's, your, what's your pitch for it uh, absolutely um well i would say um my pitch is definitely heathers meets carrie in an mfa program okay um, but, oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it's a it's a clique of um 
of uh, female MFA students at a New England university, um, an Ivy League New England university, um, and they call each other bunny, and they move and speak as one. They're very much a clique and very sweet to one another. And um, the story is told from the perspective of um, an outsider student named Samantha, who is both totally um, repulsed by the sweetness and the intimacy of the bunnies, but also very um, reluctantly drawn as well Mm -hmm. um, and and fascinated by them. So it's told from her perspective. And then as we go deeper into the book, we realize that the the bunnies are, um, they're a clique and they're actually, they're a clique that's doing something Mm -hmm. um, rather unorthodox off campus, that they're engaging in these off campus rituals that they call workshops um, or something. I don't want to give it away, but um, something violent and magical happens when all of them get together. And Samantha gets drawn into that violence and into that magic. Wow. Let's talk about the the magic, um, yeah. because I, I don't want to spoil it either. But it's um, it's totally clear eyed and and head on. Like it's not a dream or something mm-hmm. that maybe like you're not sure. Like no, this is actually actually happening. Yeah. Um, can you talk about treating magic that way? Sure. I mean, it was it was a uh, it was a tricky choice. Um, but I I love when magic happens in books. I just. I adore it. Um, I love fairy tales. They were my first love. And Bunny was kind of born born um, from fairy tales. You know, there, there are some, again, not to give it away, but it's called Bunny for a reason. There are mm-hmm. some, there, there are bunnies are involved and there is um, some animal to man transformations that occur. And um, I wanted them to be literal. Um, it's a book about creation. So it felt like um, the transformations should be magical and literal, just like the act of creation is. It's literal, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's neat to hear you say fairy tales because I hadn't put it together until just now. But I, this book reminds me a lot of Angela Carter. Oh yeah, and yeah. like these um, Helena Yayemi, mm-hmm, definitely these authors who are playing with classical fairy tale structures. Amy Bender. Yeah, yeah. I love Amy Bender so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, were you? Were you looking for a fairy tale to like? How did how did this? What was the genesis of this particular fairy tale, dark fairy tale iteration? Um, the, it was kind of a combination of different ones, um, but I would say the 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 big ones were probably Cinderella because I love Cinderella. She's an outsider who then becomes the ultimate insider, <laughs> um, and that sort of happens to Samantha, and she has to contend with these other women, her stepsisters, you know, who are a kind of clique mm-hmm. and treat her like an outsider. Um, so Cinderella was really important to kind of get um, Samantha's point of view. Um, and then Beauty and the Beast was really important to me too mm-hmm. um, because the bunnies, um, what the, the girl clique, what they're interested in is, you know, um, is creation, yes, but also romance and in creating kind of the perfect companion. Mm. And so um, Beauty and the Beast felt like the right fairy tale to kind of play with that notion of, of the anxieties around, around romance and the anxieties around creating that perfect companion. Mm. Yeah. I was drawn to the um, 
the sort of nightmare of just um, an MFA program with five people. Yes. <laughs> and there's four people that are cl- in a cl- close knit click. Yeah. Right. Versus one person who's out who has writer's block. Right. Um, I mean, that itself it's pretty alone, terrifying. that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know, the MFA workshop novel is like becoming its own genre. Yeah. Um, how do you like, how do you feel that you're playing with these tropes and, and, um, adding to the the shelf. Well, it seems to me like I I mean I kind of took the horror angle. <laughs> um, it seems just ripe for horror to me. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a secluded environment. It's very insular. Um, you quickly have to develop intimacy with people that you're going to become very vulnerable with because you're all sharing work, and you're all giving each other feedback. Um, and, uh, you know, the cliques do arise very quickly and you kind of develop your own language with each other. I mean, there's so much potential for horror. There's so much potential for danger in that scenario in my own head. And then often these university towns, and this was my experience, you know, going to a university in New England, going to Brown, um, there is a real class divide going on, you know, um, between uh, people who attend the university, the students in the university community, and then people from the town, mm-hmm. uh, an economic disparity that I I thought was very unsettling and just added to that feeling of just, I don't know, being disturbed. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to kind of blow that up uh, as much as possible. Um, so yeah, it was just like these little um, potentials for uh, for you know for being unsettled, for being disoriented that I just kind of exploded in this book. Mm. Speaking yeah. of disorientation, there's when I started reading, I had not read your bio, and so I was like, okay, Warren Universe, and then you start mentioning Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I think this is, I think this is Providence. I think this might be Brown, mm-hmm. and I. I went to school in Boston and drove down to see shows at Trinity Rep relatively frequently. Right. So I know the town enough. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, but it feels slightly different. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your decision to create Warren University mm-hmm. instead of planting it at Brown when everything else feels almost like the real Providence. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's, I think the choice kind of gave me freedom to just mm. go crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and to play also with perspective, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I think my impression of Providence was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what did I step into? <laughs> yeah. This is a very strange city that feels very corrupt. And like, does everybody else not notice that, that it's, you know, it's like, really disturbing place to live um, and that there are these really intense divides like very serious class divides going on Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to play with that that I questioned myself like I I questioned um, my impression of Providence I wanted Mm. and I also wanted the freedom to like make it as monstrous as possible that was just so much fun Mm -hmm. and you know um, Providence is Providence is not the only city like this, not the only university town like this, but it's it's dangerous. You know, mm, yeah. a lot of university towns are dangerous. I heard this urban legend. It has to be an urban legend that in New Haven, there was like a story about somebody getting decapitated and their head getting put in a locker. Mm-hmm. I heard that story when I was in Providence. They were Whoa. like, you think Providence is bad. <laughs> you know, wait till you hear what's going on in New Haven. And I, I used that, um, mm. you know, in, in Bunny. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, right. um, I want to play around with that. Um, so it kind of gave me permission to, like, just use all of the urban kind of legends around university towns 
um, to create a fictional one, you know, mm, but yeah. still like kind of play into that um, unease that I felt when I was living in Providence, mm. you know. Did you read anything while you were writing this that was helpful or what, what, did you go to a campus novel that to... Um help that's a great question i kind of avoided them on purpose mm-hmm. um just because i didn't want to follow it uh, in the in the tracks of 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 what they'd done and i was following different kind of um i was following different sorts of north stars like teen movies were a big influence mm-hmm. uh, for sure i kind of um i love the idea that in grad school even though you're kind of technically an adult it's still so much like high school like Mm -hmm. in so many ways because it is so insular and and so I wanted to play around with the teen movie kind of feel that you can have like attending grad school even though you are in your 20s um so so teen movies um fairy tales um and then also um I was I was really um drawn again and again to David Mitchell's work Mm. um especially Slade House the novel oh yeah it's such a great horror novel um Mm. and what i love about it is that he it's so close like his his use of first person is so close and so intimate and so immediate that you're actually experiencing um the wonder of the magical that comes into the novel and also the horror like with the character moment to moment Mm. and um i wanted my main character to have a similar experience of the world because she doesn't the thing with samantha with my main character she doesn't quite trust herself and her imagination is overactive Mm -hmm. so i wanted to use that as a source of horror in the book Mm. so that felt like the right um perspective cool I feel like you also found horror, um, obviously, in friendship. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. It, it felt, feels like the, um, like a lot of novels about female friendship are mm-hmm. celebratory. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it felt like you were sort of doing something different, um, comparing and contrasting two types of female friendship. Because Samantha has a best friend, Ava, yes, yes. who she's sort of um, has to give up maybe um mm-hmm. in order to be in the bunnies yeah um and then there's also like that close-knit friendship of like there's only our, us five and there's no world beyond mm-hmm. um yeah i guess that was a fun thing to be reading but i'm curious how like <laughs> how you got there yeah i mean they're both both kinds of dynamics are so fascinating to me and i think that they um you know they both have potential for major damage like emotional damage Uh um both of them and uh, but they both have potential to create such an incredible sense of belonging and connection with another person those intimate one-on-one friendships that you have um where you feel like you're connecting with somebody and they know your soul you know and it's just the two of you you know and only you two understand and you have a shared language and then there's the clique you know and um when you're inside the clique the clique can be an incredible place. You have, you are accepted. You mm-hmm. belong. You're part of like this community of people. You share a kind of, um, you know, you share a language there too. And um, but I feel like the clique is very dangerous because you never know where you stand. Mm-hmm. You are not yourself. You're in a group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you're kind of operating as a group and you're thinking as a group so your thoughts are not quite your own or Mm. are they you know there's a real sense of disorientation there and there's also the potential for a lot of strange power dynamics to kind of um 
start unfolding between between um, people in a group. All of that was really interesting to me, and all of that felt ripe again for horror, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but then the one-on-one friendship too. I mean, if you're giving your soul to somebody, that's that's you know very vulnerable making place and a lot can go wrong you know with that kind of relationship too Uh, there's a lot at stake there so they're both high stakes kinds of um relationships and i was interested in exploring both of them and um the kind of impulse that makes us seek those out you Mm. know they're two very different impulses right yeah I, yeah. I read Sally Rooney's Conversations with Friends shortly after finishing Bunny. Yeah. And I found myself thinking about Francis and Bobby's relationship in that book. Yeah. And Samantha and Ava in this. And that like, that, just that, that power of the friendship where like, it, it could be something more, it doesn't have to be, but just that, I was thinking about those friendships in particular differently after reading Bunny. Mm. Right. Which was, I mean, it just... It, it certainly put a darker twinge yeah. on the Sally Rooney book than I think most people experience. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had that same thing. Um, thinking about Laurie Moore though, like oh, yeah. who will run the frog hospital, like right. that sort of inte- the I intense that, friendship. That book too. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested in those. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see another layer to that, the, a critique of it almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, there's, there's a lot of it that's, projection you mm-hmm. know i mean so much of it is projection but then there is also genuine connection too and uh you know we found each other we understand each other but are you enough to sustain me mm. well probably not you right know? no person can be um so it's it's interesting that samantha you know gets pulled in these kind of different directions she she wants ava ava is like her her soulmate, mm-hmm. um, you know, on so many levels. And she kind of falls in love with her. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Absolutely. Um, but she still feels compelled to want to belong, you know, in her community mm-hmm. that right. she's in. And I think, I think we, I mean, I, I feel like that comes from like a very, I don't know. It felt, it felt very true to the character that she would be conflicted this way, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, not to cut our conversation about Bunny short, but I feel like there's no better transition than <laughs> thinking about a a young woman who wants to project everything onto another, and then the torn skirt, the book. That oh you brought yeah, to us. yeah, yeah. I love that book so much. Um, Would you tell us a little bit about why you brought it to us and what it's about? Sure. Um, so it's about um a girl in high school named Sarah Shaw. Um, and I think it's her final year. Um, yeah. in in high school, it's her like her graduating year, and just just beforehand, um, just before she graduates, all of this kind of turmoil kind of erupts, you know, and um, she ends up running away from home. And she is fixated by this um, girl named Justine, um, who she kind of follows through mm-hmm. the like underground and through the rooftops of like over the rooftops of Victoria um, and ends up in this kind of underbelly of Victoria, uh, Victoria, um, British Columbia in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with that book because of the voice. I'd never read a voice like Sarah Shaw's before. Yeah. It was so powerful. It was it was so like full of life and but also an angry 
but so vulnerable mm-hmm. at the same time. I just felt like I knew her, like the minute she began to mm-hmm. speak. And um, I've read it every year since I um, wow. since I first discovered it. And it was cool. a cold buy. It was one of those cold buys where like, you see, I, all I saw was the cover. It was a face out. I, I mean, remember. It's a great cover. Yeah. yeah, it's such a great cover. It was a face out in Barnes and Noble in, in Utah, in Salt Lake City, where I was living. Mm-hmm. And I just saw it and I saw, I think I saw the Thurston Moore. I don't know if Thurston Moore's quote mm-hmm. is on the front. So I saw that and I saw um, Mary Gates Gill liked it. Yeah. And uh, I love that cover. It's like just so provocative. It's so funny. When I was looking online to get it, um, they suggested like a bunch of other novels that all had like bare knees on the cover. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and we're, yeah. I wanted to say again that this is The Torn Skirt by Rebecca Godfrey because yes. it's just like a, um, I wanted to, feel like we swallowed the title for a second oh yeah um but this is such an incredible um voice like you said like um i think it's best to read this in like a single sitting if you can absolutely she she keeps talking about this fever that's Mm -hmm. inside of her that i love that people keep checking and they're like you're fine yeah (laughs) i love that (laughs) um yeah but but it feels like a fever like you need to read it and it goes like into and out of time very interestingly like Mm -hmm. it goes into the past into the present and um usually i feel a bit of whiplash with that right but i had no whiplash with this just because like you're following her voice and and it makes sense to go to the police report or right at, at such a point and so you're waiting I mean, it starts with, you know that there's some sort of violence. Yes, I love that about it, too. It's so much immediate tension from that. She's yeah. committed a crime very clearly, and she's defending herself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the the sort of, like, I'm going to go to my room because yes. this male police officer won't follow me there. Um, I, I don't know. It, there's just danger. And, like, you're just worried for her through the whole time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just, like, make better choices. Um, I know. I know. It's It's crazy. Well, yeah. and it really surprised me how much it reminded me of um, Catcher in the Rye. Yes, um, huh. yes. Because yeah. it starts in, like, they both sort of get kicked off with, um, a, like, an inappropriate sexual tension. Right. Where um, in, in the torn skirt, she's her, she hears this rumor about this girl, Heather, that, like, horrifies her and really, I think, causes her sort of rift from school and reality that like it's her boyfriend and his friends that did this thing to this girl Mm -hmm. right and in the catcher in the rye you know there's that it's the the professor that sort of makes a move on him right right right. and that also kicks him off into a similar underbelly Um, right that's true yeah, but I I wish people would teach this now. Because <laughs> I know. See, that's I I think that is kind of um, what I felt. It was sort of like she was she was like a Holden Caulfield, the main the the mm-hmm. main character, and I'd never encountered um, uh, a woman's voice like that, like a young teen mm-hmm. voice like that. That was just that was so raw and felt like it was being so honest with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved it. I totally fell in love with it. Yeah. Justine and Ava. Yeah, yeah. They sort of have this, like, they're not quite on the page very much, and they're searching for them yes. through the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to the point where you also wonder, like, are these people even real? Like, did she make Justine up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think Ava is definitely, like, a s- subliminally and very connected to Justine in um, in Rebecca Godfrey's novel. Um, yeah, I, I love the idea of that elusive friend 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who like you feel so connected to. It's like it's magic, but they're elusive too. Like you can't really pin them down. Mm. Um, I love that. You know, she kind of seems like a dream. Yeah. 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 What do you um, feel like you gain reading it over and over every year? <laughs> what is it? Is it just comfort food at this point? It feels like a strange comfort food. <laughs> it is. You know, well, books, books for me, I mean, they're kind of like home, mm. you know, um, certain certain books are like home. Mm-hmm. Certain books are meant to be kind of foreign territory um, and they're meant to kind of be disorienting in a great way. But but there are certain books that are home. And when I come back to them, I actually can like I feel like I'm I'm going to a kind of home like that I created with this novel, you know, mm-hmm. I created the landscape in my head and I get to revisit it. So for the torn skirt, it's like, you know, cherry blossom trees in May, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, running over the rooftops in Victoria, BC and looking for like this elusive, like, um, you know, this elusive, like girl who's like going to solve all of your turmoil inside and that just seems like a dream that I want to go back to, mm, you know? Yeah. So so every year in the spring, I usually go back to it just so I can be in that place. Wow. Yeah. It is strangely beautiful. Um, it has this, it does this thing that I love it when any book does it, where um, we see this, she, she goes to sort of a flop house. Right. And we <laughs> see it through her eyes and she's so intrigued I and know. like curious about it and sees it in this sort of, flowing i don't know like a music video party um almost (laughs) and then later you read the police report on that same party or that (laughs) same house and it's just like it's a crack house (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's ugly and horrible and so i love that sort of like oh she had her own complete vision yeah i think that disparity too between her perspective and then the the reality like that keeps coming in that was really inspiring to me as as a writer. I'm fascinated by how she was able to kind of do that in one in one novel. And I, I think I, I'm interested in that in my own work and kind of showing that because Samantha totally has that going on. I mean, she sees the world one way and we definitely can't trust the way that she's presenting the world. Yeah. I, I love the time slip in Bunny of when she doesn't even realize how long she's been a bunny and like yeah. how long she's been hanging out with them. Right. I mean, uh, it's like it's this it's this fever thing. It's the, like this fever of adolescence in the right. torn skirt. Oh yeah. But then that idea that like, to your point, we we think about your early twenties as like okay, you're a grown up now. Right. Like that fever can extend. Oh yeah. Far longer than anybody wants to admit. Yes. Or it can be reignited again. It can yeah. be reignited, yeah. yeah, yeah. And those group dynamics can can you continue to find them, you know, well into adulthood. I mean, I see cliques, you know, mm-hmm. form and stuff like that, and you're always like, "Really? Are we back here? I can't believe this." It's even, I mean, not to, it's not. I don't think it's a spoiler for the torn skirt, but there's a moment at the end that echoes the beginning. As right. she sort of sees a version of herself, yes, a little bit younger, and oh, that I idea that, that like these these groupings recur mm-hmm. whether or not you're a part of them and so like there's always going to be that girl who's hanging out with the stoners doing the yes. and like yeah. the inability to sort of transfer information like mm-hmm. you, know, you just have to live it you have to you live gotta it. go through it yeah maybe you'll die <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> yeah it's so fraught yeah oh, i love that I think it's um, a special power of literature to make even things like um, 
miniature food evil. I <laughs> um, I love yeah. everything about that. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, is miniature is all miniature food evil in your eyes? I think it is. I mean, I was, <laughs> you know, um, I was talking about this earlier, um, but, I, you know, mini cupcakes maybe... I mean, they're lovely, you know, um, you can have, you can try more than one kind of cupcake, you know, you get to have three for the price of one, I guess, but it's still terrifying to me aesthetically. It's just, why? <laughs> you know? do, you like, do you just walk by a Baked by Melissa and just like, why? Across the street. Just heard about Baked by Melissa. I'm going to have to go by and take some pictures. And, some miniature, yeah. that's some miniature cupcake. So yes, they show up in my office for like openings and then there's just a huge tray and you're like, well, if I eat six of these, that's yeah. like one cupcake. It's not. Right. No. But yeah. Yeah. See, there's like a, there's like a false logic. There's a trick in there <laughs> that feels sinister. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Like if it's smaller, it won't, it's not as bad for you. Right. Um, No matter how many of them you eat. <laughs> exactly. I just now got the Alice in Wonderland vibe right? Like with yeah. bunny and smaller things. And I, yes. huh? Yeah. <laughs> just now, just, just yeah. now as we're sitting here. Oh wow. yeah. Alice in Wonderland was important. It was so important that I didn't, I didn't revisit it while I was writing it. Cause I didn't want it to be too overt, but oh, wow. it's definitely there. Yeah. Mm. Are there things that you like put away? Like I'm going to read that when I'm done with bunny. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Yes. Uh, so Shirley Jackson novels, which I, Ooh, I, I love. Oh, yeah. I love Shirley Jackson's novels and definitely Hangs a Man was um, was yeah. an, was an important one for Bunny, I think. But I read it. I'd read it just before I started writing and I didn't want to go back to it while I was writing. It was mm. important to kind of keep some distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, should we talk about other things we recommend? Sure. Yeah. Um, should we recommend some things? Do you want to start, Drew? Yeah, I. It's been a long time since I've gone to the like hard sci-fi extremes. I used to go there all the time as a kid, and recently I'm like, oh, I just, I, and then I've been walking through the Strand, and I keep seeing this book, um, a memory called Empire mm-hmm. by Arcady Martine, and it, something about the cover leapt out to me, and I, it was an impulse buy. Finally, I was like, okay, I keep seeing it. I'm just gonna get it, and it's just the most incredible work of science fiction I've read in a long time. It's set, um, it's an ambassador from a sort of satellite of a huge empire coming to the center of the empire. Within minutes of getting there, she realizes that her mission has been sabotaged and that there's a bunch of other stuff happening and she's trying to survive, figure out what's going on. But I, I learned that the author is actually a like a doctor of Byzantine history. Oh. <laughs> and so she she brings this inten- like you could transplant that you remove the sci-fi stuff and it could be talking about the ambassador who came from the British Isles to Rome. Mm. It could be somebody in the Byzantine Empire in like it it feels like history that's just in space. Mm. It's the <laughs> best parts of both and none of the bad. It's just I I was so overwhelmed by how compelling 
it was in in the way that the best science fiction should be. And it just right. it had been such a long time since I read a book where I was really like, yeah. Is it self-contained? Is it like one and done? It is. It's the. I know that she's gonna write. Uh, she's writing a sequel. I don't know if it's gonna be a series. Mm. There's also like, there's a threat of some other empire on the edges of that. Just every once in a while, in like a news report or something, right. they're like, another ship disappeared out on the edge. Of the-. <laughs> and so you know that there's this other thing coming. Mm-hmm. Right. Which again, it is. It's like we don't. We don't have that sense. Oh now. yeah. Right. We used to. There used to be what's out there, like the here there be dragons mm-hmm. and this is it i understood it finally this thing that like our ancestors used to feel all the time hmm. right yeah oh, i really cool. loved it wow that sounds I'm gonna, great i'm gonna check it out mona um okay i am going to recommend um a collection that i just picked up um that i've only just started reading but it's called shut up you're pretty <laughs> <laughs> it's a great title great title and it's by um tia mutangi um, and she's a, a Canadian writer, um, originally from the Congo, but now now living in Canada. And it's it's so good. I, I did a reading with her at the um, Alice Munro Festival this weekend, like just oh, last cool. weekend in Canada. And uh, so she read from her first story, which was called Tits for Sigs, which is a great, again, a great, she's very good at titles. And it was so good. I just, she does actually the, the teen voice, like the she does it perfectly. Um, I, I just, I know I'm going to just devour that book. I'm already like, yeah, I'm already completely sold. So I, I recommend that. Um, and then I also want to recommend wise blood's new album. Cause I just saw her Ooh. live at the Sinclair, um, last night mm. and it was, she's fantastic. Cool. She's like awesome. Karen Carpenter reborn. Wow. Yeah. Nice with some edges of heart and like sci-fi even there's some sci-fi dreaminess yeah the name like wise blood i would expect that yeah (laughs) (laughs) christopher um yeah okay i recommend i um it's this tiny little slim thing that i'm just amazed that it could come out at all um it's called august 9th fog uh by uh Catherine Scanlan, but it's not actually by her. She found this um, journal, uh, one of those um, five-year journals, where every page it has a date, and then it, you have like lines for. So you're so every day over the next five years, you'll see you'll be confronted with your past. Um, but it's this older woman's diary that she bought in an estate sale, and it's crumbling and it's falling apart, and she just couldn't stop reading it and going back to it and trying to figure out more of the handwriting. And so she just took a few of them and put them in this order that sort of tells a story, but kind of doesn't. Um, and it's just a mood. Oh, it's cool. it's a mm-hmm. deep mood of really August 9th fog. Like I, I kind of <laughs> like, that's just the most perfect title for yeah. it. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to be really annoying and recommend the best way to read it. <laughs> <laughs> is um on a bench in the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Sure. Um it's uh in the Japanese garden area. Nice. It's a really good place to be looking out. And so my other recommendation 
is to go get yourself a botanic garden membership. Oh, nice. That is very expensive. Um, And I'm sure even if you don't live in Brooklyn, there's got to be a botanic garden near you in some fashion. Go find it and become a member. Um, My girlfriend made made us members, and it's been the best. Like, we keep going. Um, We went and saw all the peonies bloom, and that was amazing. And, uh, And I read this entire thing in one sitting there. And I just... Yeah, that I mean, reading like things in the garden is fantastic. Yeah, yeah it sounds like the best day. <laughs> the best so good. Day. So I recommend that. That's mine. Nice. That's great. We also uh, recommend a handful of things on every episode. Uh huh. We recommend going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash smdb. Mm-hmm. We recommend leaving us a review on iTunes. We really recommend doing that. It really helps us out. I know that some people, or at least when I listen to a podcast and it's been going for a while... I just assume like eh, everybody's done it and I probably don't need to and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need reviews and fresh ones as much as possible. It helps with the robots. They all the iTunes robots like them. And truly <laughs> nothing seems to uh, in my experience nothing seems to bring Christopher more joy than, than when he texts me and it's like we got a new review. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. That it does bring me joy. It sparks joy. Um, um email us yeah. Tweeted us, check us out on Instagram, all those things. It's all so many damn books wherever you find the things. And um, you know, go and 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 buy Bunny and read it with a friend. Because like there's <laughs> yeah, no way to yeah. there's no way to experience this book without also talking to somebody about it and being like, What the what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's and there are there are a number of those moments. Yeah. Yeah, oh, where you awesome. have to reread it immediately. Yeah. Also, then come, frankly, talk to us because there's a whole bunch of shit that we didn't get to talk about because we don't want to spoil it for you, dear listeners. Yes. So, you know, hit us up. Thank you, Mona, for yeah. coming. Yeah. And for this book. Thank yeah. you so, and so much. And for the torn skirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. I love that book. And thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. See you next See time. See you next time. I'm sorry, this is terrible audio, but who's on your necklace? Oh, that's just Carrie. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. Carrie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, it's, it's her covered in blood, right? Yeah, um, she's covered in blood. Like Carrie Lockett. Go to our yeah. Instagram, uh, people. We'll have a picture. <laughs> that's, uh, it, yeah, it's, yeah. Very, it's very cool. Yeah, I love it very um, much. Keep it close to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Where it belongs. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing you made that yourself? Actually, no, my, my boyfriend made it. Oh, yeah. very nice. cool. Yeah. Very cool.